damn fireworks made my dog crazy. Dang. Oh, Burf uh, says hi to both you and Archer. Hello. Is he here right now? Is 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 the, is, is the Burford you're speaking of in the room with us right is, now? Is Burf in the room with you right now? No, I uh, saw him over the weekend for his damn wedding. Oh, wow. Well, this is good. It's good to know uh, uh, a close personal friend had a major life experience that I had no idea about. <laughs> there was like almost almost no like literally none of the Austin people except for me and Patrick were there. What so he's he he's just trying to get it under the under the Supreme Court temple doors closing down. I think it's like legitimately a chunk of the plan. <laughs> wow. Had wow. to get it get it in while he could, you know? Well um hey listen Burford, this is how I will congratulate you on the show. Congratulations. Love is real, at least for now. Yeah, technically love is real legally, you know, for and now. love is blind. Uh, <laughs> love finna stay love. blind, but it might not be real once the Supreme Court's done with it. And it will always remain island. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing. <laughs> that's the one we can depend on forever. <laughs> love will be island. Uh, how was your damn Fourth of July, bro? Uh, it was it was chill. I saw Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, <sighs> holy shit! Uh, was it so, was it so bad? <laughs> it was miserable. I literally I haven't done this ever. I had to step out of the theater for twenty minutes Whoa, just to get some really just to get some air before going back in because yeah, it was it was like such a chore. It was insane. That's so funny. Why was um, it? How was it so bad? Uh, it's just like a movie that like was all we have to shut the primary generator down and not like here's why you should care about anyone. Uh, <laughs> There's like f- 15 characters. None of them had like real storylines, but you had to spend a lot of time with them as they just like dished like plot and exposition. And it was just it was one of the most exhausting films I've ever seen. Almost no dinosaur attacks. It was just, just a mess. And the the worst part is, is they make it so dark now. It this is the new way that they make everything cheap. Is they're like, oh yeah, like every single scene will be shot at night, and you will see the shadow of dinosaurs fighting, and that's about it. Yeah, it's like. That's like how they used to make like old like 1980s like B fantasy and sci-fi movies was like shooting stuff dark so you couldn't tell that everything was foam core. But like it right, sucks that right and now now it's like oh now you just can't tell that we literally did nothing with the CGI. Yeah, it's just like it's it sucks to bring back that and, and, aesthetic style but not bring back the sort of like silly wacky ethos of like trying way too like because those 80s movies it's like I have to have a wizard with a giant sword surrounded by stone golems and they were like we can do that but it'll all have to be cardboard and they're like okay sure <laughs> just shoot it dark yeah yeah and so and like they did have a shot or two where they used actual puppets and they looked incredible so they were just like taunting you i mean like we could make this look awesome we just don't i do have Um, one question about this movie in the lead there is no joker okay wow you got me that was it's insane it's disrespectful to the joker to say that there's a joker dinosaur Jesus Christ. Which one could have been the Joker? I'm trying to even think. Colin Trevorrow said the Gigantosaur was similar to the Joker. The Gigantosaur. Now, that must have been 
fuck that thing is in the movie for 10 seconds um that's crazy um (laughs) fuck it'd be so funny if one of the dinosaurs set up like a two boats situation (laughs) (laughs) where chris pratt had to choose yeah that would be awesome or like it doesn't like batman the animated series shit and like poisons the water supply so everyone who drinks it turns into a miniature version of the dinosaur yes yeah that's that's the fucked up thing that they keep flirting around is i thought my prediction from a previous episode was going to come true human dino hybrids like like they just they're 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 talking around it the entire time they're like oh well we can splice dna and we can combine these things together and clone new things and i'm like so i'm gonna see a human dinosaur hybrid in this movie right no no, you're not. I didn't even like because uh, I did well, after we talked about that. I don't know if I talked to you about this. I don't know that I thought about it some more. And like it did kind of make sense that the end of the movie would be that they like combined Chris Pratt and the dinosaur he loves into one thing that saves the day. I would even say that like uh, to, to, because I think that like uh, heroes like rarely go through like heroes of this type of genre rarely go through like horrible body modification. So my pitch would be the villain does it. And then Chris Pratt has the opportunity to do it, but doesn't, remains human, but teams up with Blue the Raptor to defeat the human dino hybrid. Now, that would have been a story. Sure would. Sure would. Um, but instead, you get a nothing, a nothing burger, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like uh, outside of just how dark the whole movie was and like how you literally like you go to see dinosaurs and they hide the dinosaurs the whole time in the darkness. Um, like there, it it was, it was really funny to see the old actors from the original films. You got, uh, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum and, uh, Sam Harris, right? Uh, no, I think Um, Sam Neill. Uh, it's Sam Harris, the, uh, political guy. Yeah, the the dumb, (laughs) the the dumb politics Twitter guy. Great. Cool. I'm glad he made it. (laughs) Yeah, he's in there. Um, but it's so funny to, because every scene where it's just like Sam and Laura is legitimately a good scene. And then you cut back to these dolts, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, these charmless fools. Uh, And it's like, holy shit, we used to have real movie stars. Yeah. Like we used to have stars that like connected to you on a human level with beautiful, big performances. And like Uh, we don't have that anymore. Like that's the thing that I've noticed with recent movies is that like new like recent movies, it seems like they're just doing what's in the script and t- and adding like zero of their own shit. Um, it seems like they, have, they they don't have any option to either. Like yeah. There's no environment to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's harder when you're like acting to a tennis ball. But, you know, you watch these old guys do it and they and they pop in there and you're like, oh, wow, that was a really human scene. And one of the only scenes that it felt like actual humans were speaking to me and not fucking aliens. Um, And uh, yeah, so folks, you know, they don't make them like they used to. I'll say that much. Yeah. Speaking of Um, things they don't make like they used to podcasts and this is one of them. (laughs) Welcome to the Game Boys podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Lux. And I am the Joker of the podcast, Griffin. And of course, our Batman, our Superman, our whole damn Justice League, producer Haley on the ones and twos, the real protagonist of the podcast. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we're back, baby, for another week in a row. Rowdy Burns, eat my ass. Stop tweeting about how we're not releasing episodes. We've been releasing episodes for weeks. and, And guess what, folks? You know, just because we release on Wednesdays now 
doesn't mean there isn't a grace period and, and, in, and an undefined grace period because, folks, grace can be lost and re-earned and grace can be stored up. Maybe we do in a really incredible episode. We're firing on all cylinders. That's great. Then we get to take two months off. You know, if we're doing CD material, which is, you know, typically what the show is, then, yeah, like you expect uh, expect it uh, every week. Yeah, if we're really dumping out just dog shit, expect that dog shit to be nonstop. And the good shit, just know it'll be spaced out and almost uh, sort of like a unicorn. Uh, but I just want to say, uh, eat shit, Rowdy Burns. Uh, stop tweeting that we're not doing episodes. It's not helpful. Uh- Keep, no, it is helpful. No pub is bad pub. I feel like um, I feel like pub that says this podcast doesn't exist is actually bad pub. <laughs> <laughs> we found the first existence of bad pub. Of course, Rowdy's um, the one who invents bad publicity. Yeah. Hey, it's free publicity. Hey, uh, so <laughs> speaking of publicity, so, I just got followed by John Cena on Twitter. What do we do about this? Hold, hold. I thought that was. I mean, it had to happen eventually. Did you did you tweet did you tweet uh, an anti Hong Kong statement? No, I haven't been on Twitter because I've been traveling. I haven't used Twitter at all. I just opened it this morning because I just wanted like someone sent me a tweet and I clicked it to read it, and then I saw I had a bunch of notifications, so I clicked one. The top one was John Cena follows you verified account. Mm, let's 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 do a little bit of digging here. Let's dig. Let's dig. What, what even? What even is your name on the internet? Tail okay. dash and tail underscore boy, baby. Uh, who the hell is Who the hell is Grunt Morrison? It's the like a, it's a Grant Morrison joke, but like orcs. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, it was, it was John very Cena. lazy. I just wanted to change it from what it was. Followers. I'm searching your followers for John Cena. Wow, there he is. A four. A form of thoughts and perspectives designed to ignite conversations and actions leading to growth and occasional self-promotion. Hashtag never give up. Hashtag rise above hate. Yeah, there's there's our man himself, John Cena. He's following half a million people. So, you know, it's him. This is he's just doing a Barack Obama. Yeah, this is what this is what soured me on his presidency. Uh, the the fake follow. Yeah, you're like um, the compromises on healthcare, the bailouts. That's I, I can live with that, but you can't follow as many I people, was, Mr. President. I I was riding high. I was like Guantanamo stays open, but the <laughs> but the follows. It's just so it's fake. Um, and if you're just gonna follow everyone, and then I still but you can't DM them now. What's the fucking point? Wait, let me see if I can DM John Cena. That's a good question. You can't. You can't you because you haven't risen above the hate. That's a whole other level. Oh, buddy. Incorrect. I can DM John Cena. You can DM John Cena. Yes. All right. Well, this is a project for you and me to work on off pod. But figuring out what I send to John Cena is a very important thing. Probably we'll figure that out when I get back from vacation. We're going to be talking about Genshin Impact um, and its rich uh, cultural traditions uh, with John Cena next week. And then we'll take off a year. Then we don't have to do the show for a year. Hey, dear John Cena, it's li- I listen to a podcast. We get between a and weekly listeners. Uh, occasionally- why are you why are you giving that data out? That's a that's a real. OK, sorry. Kaylee, bleep that. I, we, we get between bleep and bleep listeners. Would you please come on and talk to us about the great Chinese game Genshin Impact and the powerful nation of China? Um, thank you. We need that because we want those listeners. Yeah. Um, we want to say, listen, we can activate 
we can activate a whole new militia in this country of gamers for you, John. I mean, on- we'll we'll run it. You do your you stay in the movies and we'll tend to the troops. Yeah, they can't see you, but we'll let them see us and we'll be your figureheads. Absolutely. We're the prophets of Sina. Uh, We speak to you through a veiled tent. (laughs) Man, (laughs) honestly, once the once the petrodollar dies and it becomes the petro yuan, if we have Chinese fans, we'll be fucking chilling, baby. Yeah, I I think that's the the step. You know, we started this podcast in Brazil, in South America, um, and that's actually where 50 percent of our current listenership is from down there in South America. But now we do have to look towards the east, eastward, if you will. Um, (laughs) But I I guess you could also go west and get there, too. Actually, faster. Is it faster to go west? Yeah, Yeah, it would be faster across the Pacific than across the Atlantic and and all of Europe or Africa Mm -hmm. or whatever. Or just because of Europe and Central Asia. Because of the Pangea land bridge, of course. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to DM Cena. That's big news. Do you think there was a specific tweet that that got the um, the AI to follow you? That's what I'm wondering is what thing I tweeted that either his intern or his like weird AI like reacted to. Uh, it's It's got to be a wrestling thing, right? I think Does so. Does China have wrestling? Um, yeah, China's big time wrestling. Right. Maybe it was my post complaining about uh, people who don't understand how movies work. When I said I saw a post where someone said showing things that didn't happen is demonstrably bad filmmaking. And the number of things wrong with that sentiment has had me spiraling all day. Um. Oh, oh, no, I, I saw I found the one. It's it's your it's your it's your meme of uh, John Cena is looking at you, but you're looking at Xi Jinping with a fat booty. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That one's a I don't know how they saw that one because that the one's for meme. the selected selected followers. Only. <laughs> your, it's your super followers. Yeah. yeah. Your super followers, which, by the way, uh, how do I get super followers? You have to be verified, right? I think so. Okay, so I have to like what? I have to like pretend to be a journalist for just like a week, yeah, or something. I see some of these motherfuckers. They they got verified. They got verified accounts, and they got like nine hundred followers, and they're like a journalist for like the the Los Alamitos pool community. Yeah, they're doing pool news, <laughs> news about the pools. Yeah, and it, hey, the pool's open today. Here's my check mark. Yeah, it's very bizarre. What does and does not constitute verified on this website. But, you know, the blue checks are the blue checks. It's a selective club. And if you can get in, you're set for life. What? Wow. Elon, we thought that you were going to do a jihad on Twitter HQ. Uh, and instead, you've you, you've you've totally succumbed to the might of big tech. It's disgusting. Yeah. Elon's folded like so many before him under the weight of the, you know, the power of big tech under the weight of trying to buy a bad business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My friend, one of my friends has made like a legit, like a shitload of money, like five, like five, even pushing six figures by just every time Elon Musk says he's going to do something, making the relevant stock bet that assumes he won't do it. Um, (laughs) And he's made so much money. (laughs) Uh, which is very funny and a good strat, I think. 
I, I wish I was a betting man. I just don't have that. Um, I don't have that emotional bandwidth in my life to like learn other things. I, I, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm trading on these stocks. And I'm like, when? How? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, given how much gambling I do that I can't like get into the stock market. <laughs> it's like I'm happy to bet on sports and I'll do it all day. But then I think about get, like doing stocks and I just like get confused. It's it's guys who have the baseball guy mind. Yeah. Like baseball guy mind is like a weird specific type of mind that like loves like loves a spreadsheet and like doesn't have any furniture in their living room, but has like a whiteboard. Yeah. Just sick people. Yeah. Twisted. Um, speaking of twisted people, you see this picture of uh, Jeff Bezos on Space Mountain? No, I haven't. I haven't been online for a few days. Send me the Jeff Bezos <laughs> on Space right, Mountain. Me, uh, so. Uh, Jeff Bezos rode, I just tweeted it to you. Um, Jeff Bezos rode Disneyland's Space Mountain <laughs> by himself. <laughs> and he looks like he's having an all, it looks, like he's, it looks like he saw, like, it looks like someone carved fuck Jeff Bezos into the back of the seat in front of him. And he just like <laughs> noticed that. Like, he looks like insulted and upset. He, he looks like he's in pain. He's in like a hunch, a weird hunch. Um, I would like to trap him on this ride for eternity. <laughs> I would like to exile him to the Space Mountain ride. Yeah, I mean, Space Mountain's a great ride. I'd hate to deprive the children of it, but if it would get Jeff Bezos just out of my fucking hair for a while. Sorry, kids. Sorry, kids. That's the Bezos bus. Yeah, well, do you think he can only ride rides by himself uh, because of uh, like a safety concern? Like... <laughs> Well, what's the what's the what's the deal here? And also, are you if you're Jeff Bezos, don't you like take your kids to Disneyland or something? Like, why are you by yourself? I, I, okay, I understand you're a billionaire. You've you've bought the you even might have bought the park for the day. Let's go crazy! Not just the ride, but the park. But then you don't bring a kid with you. You don't bring anybody. You're by yourself. I mean, I think that's what he's thinking about in that picture. I think that's why he looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the only thing if I only if I'm his publicist, if I'm thinking about this, if I'm trying to get in good faith, maybe he did bring kids, but they were too scared to go on Space Mountain. And he's just, maybe they were too young. And the reason he's making that face is he's like, can't believe my coward fucking children couldn't get yes, on this fucking exactly. roller coaster. My stupid fucking coward kids. He's, <laughs> he's actually yeah, the, the 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 quote underneath this is fine. I can just make another. <laughs> 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 oh my god i guess it's like supposed to be a flex but it's like so sad yeah it's bu it's a bummer for me and it's a bummer for everybody here <laughs> yeah, it's hard to look at um, that's for sure they actually they had to they had to uh the, the 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 cart that he sat in they had to decommission afterwards because there was a a deep uh sadness energy permeating it uh so speaking of disneyland because you know well, well we got disney on the brain I have made an attempt to go to Disneyland within the next two to three months before they shut down Splash Mountain. <laughs> Whoa, good. Get out there. Um, folks, as we know, you know, Splash Mountain was based on a very racist film, and that's why they're taking it down. Yeah. Um, Song of the South. Um and I've actually never seen the the original film. Have you? Have you? Lex? I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your, What's your take? Um, I mean, it's 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 one of those movies of its time where 
It's wildly problematic and, and normalizes a lot of assumptions about the way people work. It's not like its core lessons are like be racist, right? Like its core lessons are the same Disney lessons of like be nice to people and try your hardest or whatever. But like everything right. around it is like try your hardest and uh, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you like this. And I'm the helpful man from the South. And these are my friendly crow friends who are all like, we love jazz, baby. <laughs> um, right. Which there's is like, not good. some of that. There's some sort of like I technically I think everyone is technically an animal, but some of the animals that I think like black people are, are in the are like portrayed with some like pretty bad or rough stereotypes. Yeah, and there's a lot of like a um, like post reconstruction like slave sort of voice like slave voice stuff going on. Yes, a lot of that. Um, but uh, I don't remember that much of it on the ride. Like that's that's the difference for me is like. I feel like maybe there's like one or two characters on the ride that might have that that voice pre-programmed into them or something. But like largely like I, I think that like it probably I would say 90 to 95 percent of the people who have been on the ride do not know it's based on a movie. <laughs> yeah, right. And right? that's sort of my thing with this, too, is like even if like they are and it's problematic, et cetera, like couldn't they just sort of like do um like I don't know, like just like reskin like two or three models, and instead of having them be like, "Well, sir, I'm glad you're here to take this ride. I'm happy to serve you," and just right. have them just be like, yeah. just have them be like, "Splish splash, baby! I'm a tired chipmunk. Woo!" Like, yeah, like why right, do they right. have like? It seems like silly to close the whole thing down just it's based on a racist movie. Just un, just take out well, the racist bits of the ride. Well, that's kind of what they're doing. I, I was getting to that, but they are. Changing it from Splash Mountain to Tiana's Bayou from The Princess and the Frog. Um, okay, well, at least they're replacing a movie based on one or a ride based on one movie no one gave a shit about with another ride based on a different movie no, no one gave a shit saw. about. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's smart. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, the outside of like the the I guess the the controversy conflict, the actual like bones of the splash mountain ride is one of the best rides. Oh, it's an incredible at ride. It's, um, it, it, it has so much going for it. It has like these really tight parts where you're like, all this stuff is over you and hanging and swinging over you. And then there's big outdoor parts and there's parts that open up into giant, like warehouse, like huge bayou areas later. It has such a great, a uh, sense of scale and production to yeah, it. Yeah, I believe that was a a Tony Baxter designed ride, and it's one of his best. And he is, you know, maybe mm -hmm. the best ride designer to ever live. Uh, right. It's one of his masterpieces. Um, so I hope that there's the bones of some of that stuff is still there. Uh, they also have outlawed the song "Zippity Doodah" from playing at Disneyland. So no more "Zippity Doodah." Well, that's that's kind of fair because uh, that one does is like does, is like sort of bound up with a lot of like the same sort of racist stuff as the song of the South. Right. Um, and so there's the, those are gone, but here's the thing is like, if you guys want to update it, I'm actually a hundred percent. Okay. With that. Um, but you can't do princess and the frog when Moana is right there. <laughs> That's the crazy a way, part. A way more popular movie with huge relevant stars, Lin-Manuel Miranda, The Rock, like like those people could be at the ribbon cutting ceremony, like like it's a water ride, like the, it's the end of Moana ends with a volcano 
Splash Mountain is a mountain like volcano. Yeah. It's like it has everything going for yeah, it. Yeah, you could you can have like the rock creating waves that carry your little log flume around. You get like a Lin Manuel Miranda yeah. original song that just like shits out in an hour. Like, well, it could be the same songs. I mean, the songs from Iwana are popular yeah. and good. Like, like imagine. So it's just it feels like a huge whiff. Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of respect them for being like we have to wrap the whole Disney canon aside from the racist stuff. Um, yes. And I think that's a, I, I, I do. There's like a sense of historicity there that I can appreciate, but also like, you're absolutely right. Like if you, if they were like Splash Mountain's reopening, it's the Moana ride. It's whatever Moana's big wave adventure. Like the mm-hmm. entire fucking world of Disney kids and adults would just absolutely do to themselves. Oh my God. Yeah, it would be. I would control. be throwing eight-year-olds out of the way. <laughs> I'd be fucking eight-year-olds up getting to the front of that line. Yeah, um, it would be huge. It'd be yeah. fucking huge. Uh, so, so, anyways, you know, uh, I don't want to be complicit. I just want to enjoy this incredible ride one last time. So I will be going to Disneyland. Um, but I will be. Sh- I, I'll be wagging my finger. Yeah, you'll be. Um, you'll you'll see them. You'll go. No 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 no. <laughs> canceled. 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 <laughs> When the when the when the random employee at the gate that sits me in the log, I'm going to sit down and just be like, I hope I hope you're I I hope you can't sleep at night. I hope you're (laughs) I hope you're haunted by the horrible Uh, imagery of this ride you work on. Yeah, I hope you are haunted mansion. Um, So, yeah, other than that, Disneyland. Holy shit. It's one hundred and sixty dollars to get in now. It's fucked up. It's crazy. I was just reading that on the Disney Star Wars cruise. They have a kyber crystal uh, cocktail that costs five (laughs) thousand fucking dollars. Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I posted it to a group chat. Let me go find it really quick. Um, I do believe that this is not. What is the kyber crystal drink? The five thousand dollar Star Wars cocktail explained. Uh, what do you get for spending five thousand dollars? It's an experience. It's served in an authentic looking Camtono that belongs on the set of a Star Wars production, <laughs> complete with a smoky appearance that looks like either dry ice or liquid nitrogen. The cocktail truly looks out of this world. In case you didn't catch on, the crystal that powers up lightsabers in Star Wars is called Kyber Crystal. Oh, that's why you're paying for it. I see. Um, uh, kept the, uh, Disney has kept the ingredients of the drink a mystery, which no doubt adds to its allure. Yeah, of course they're <laughs> keeping it a mystery because five thousand dollars for like fucking Bombay Sapphire and soda with some liquid nitrogen on it is not fucking worth it. Uh, dubbed the galaxy's rarest and most valuable cocktail, the Kyber Crystal could have some of the most expensive alcohol in the world within, but you won't know until you've tried it. And you probably won't know after you've tried it, because I do not think that they're doing, like, flavor extraction mixology on the cruise. Like, like, yeah, it's not, no thank you. I like that because, um, you know, just like it with, you know, they're like the whales of a fandom, right? Juice them. Juice them up. Uh, that's crazy. That's, that's not okay. I mean, the Disney, we should just go on a Disney cruise and witness the horror. Yeah. It would be funny for like a day and then it would be like, how do I get off? Yeah. It would be like that, uh, the cruise that was in the New York post this week where, uh, people, uh, got, there was a giant fight on a cruise because, uh, some guy found his wife having a threesome with someone else and he got into a fight with the people having the threesome and it became like a 60 person brawl all around the cruise. 
a 60 person Disneyland. Brawl. It wasn't, it wasn't Disney. I'm just saying that the Disney cruise, I feel like would turn into that. Wow. Um, wait, Ma- wait, magic kingdom fairy fight. Oh, that's different. That's not the same thing. <laughs> although I'm happy to learn about it. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's watch. Um, okay. So there's a bunch of moms fighting. Oh, and Tom Sawyer evacuation highlight. Holy shit. <laughs> this video doesn't fuck around. It gets straight to it. Yeah, we like that. I don't. Oh my god, there's like children trying to stop these grown women from fighting. And they're like trying to hold back their moms. <laughs> this is like a masterpiece. <laughs> and th- that's why. Okay, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the. I'm going to the fairy one now. I want. Where is that one? Okay, I'm gonna find the New York Post thing that I was telling you about. <laughs> Oh, this was just evacuated. Yeah. Here's- these guys are like, these guys like inside the magic, this YouTube channel just like does dishes Disney drama. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's out there. I just discorded you the thing that I was talking Holy about. Holy shit. 60 people. Amazing. Oh, Fox News has the video. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. You know, I just, I'm just confused. Like, okay. I understand how like maybe maybe like a fight between three to four people starts and the energy of that wraps in in a few more people, maybe 10. Let's say 10. How does that get to 60? Yeah. How does the how does the how does the 45th person turn the corner with a hot dog and a margarita and go, huh? And just dive in. Well, maybe it's like, like if you've been on a carnival did, cruise for like involved? if you've been like a carnival cruise for like three days, you've done every uh you've done every sort of thing there is to do, and finally <laughs> something spicing it up, you know? Right, right. It's like everyone was just like ready f- to act like they were an old boy. Um damn. Yeah, dude, the fight the- Well, we gotta go we gotta go on a cruise. Yeah, dude, I think we these, do. These are, we, Maybe I, I think we're probably missing a big part of cruise culture, which is probably like the, the there's like fighting floors. There's floors where you can just go fight. <laughs> the first rule of cruise fight club is you make sure that Fox News fight gets cruise. a recording of the fight of the cruise fight club. Uh, yeah, right. The first rule is make sure someone tapes fight club. Yeah, yeah. and gets it to the nearest possible provider of news. <laughs> okay. A guy, a guy, a guy, a guy at the back of the of, of Fight Club who's like, I got it. Oh, lens cap. Oh <laughs> um, uh, man, um, what a world, I don't baby. Cruises have always scared me because I've always um had a fear or I guess like a nightmare of like being thrown off a cruise and then just like drowning. God, yeah, cruises are spooky. They're like, yeah, it's like, uh, have fun right near the edge of confirmed death, right? There's a little bit of a confer, like, there's a little bit of a era of like, oh, glad we're on this thing because one, you know. Yeah, no, it's a or, weird, or, I, I don't know. It's a weird, it's cr- I feel like people who love cruises are a weird subculture that has not been unpacked enough that I'm very curious about and would like to get into. Yes, the aquatic people. Maybe Avatar 2 is all about that. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, cruise culture is scary. And also, like, something I don't know if I even want to, like, open 
the the horrors within. I don't know if I can unsee them. So it's almost like ignorance is bl- is bliss in a certain sense. I, I don't want to like walk through the world knowing what happens on those cruises. Well, um, that's that's the difference you know, between Lux and Griffin. Is I super <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, this is a good segue. Speaking of cruises and water stuff, I've been playing a little game called Raft. Okay, yeah. So I was excited about this because you found this game and DM'd it to me. And unfortunately it was right before I left on my big vacation. Uh, but mm-hmm. it looked really fun and exciting, like a really good group game to play. So tell me about raft, please. Raft is an incredible group game to play. Yes. Um, so basically it's a survival game, uh, not unlike your, your rusts, your Valheims, um, your subnautica's, uh, it has a lot of those elements where, you know, you have like a hunger and a thirst meter. The early hours are really difficult and just about like surviving moment to moment. But then eventually you get to craft cooler and cooler stuff, which makes your journey easier and like less stressful. Like all those basics are in there. But this one is just really, really fun to play with other people. Um, You start out on this little raft, just like little four squares. And there's a shark that circles around you the entire game and follows you throughout the entire world. Every like four to five minutes, the shark will attack. Um, and he will like try to bite off a piece of your boat. And if you don't like fend him off quick enough, like a piece of your boat falls apart, including any items or crucial stuff that might've been on that part of the boat. Um, and it's just, it's just like the perfect game to hop in and up to eight people can design one of these rafts together. So it's really, really fun for like me and my brother who have been playing it together for be like, all right, we're both starving and we need a lot of stuff to survive right now. I'm going to go pull and scrap from the ocean. You go fish to cook us food. And there's like that just in organic, like teamwork element. That's super fun. Yeah. Cause I remember I got really into Barrow trauma for a stretch of the pandemic, which is a game where you like captain a, a submarine together and everyone has like a job and you do stuff. And I think this sounds a little bit more like, it sounds like it has the same like tension and like collaborative difficulty. And there's a lot to keep track of, but it's a little bit less like assignment E like everyone can kind of do a little bit of everything. And you can move around yes. and that's exciting because mm-hmm. trauma was fun, but like being security officer meant like you did the same three things constantly. Um, yeah. And you had a very specific job, uh-huh. but this sounds like you kind of get to make the experience match like sort of your mood from time from moment to moment, which is exciting. Yeah. And I think there's like, you know, obviously in a lot of these other survival games, you can build a quote unquote base and everyone does. There's a little differently with Valheim's castles or, um, you know, other other or like Rust kind of is like forts. Um, But there is something really fun about creating a ship with someone else um, because it's not stationary. It is its own character that you have to take care of because you're on the ocean. You're getting pushed around. You need to like move the sails. You need to protect it from sharks. You need to upgrade it so it can anchor and go faster and have and have cool shit on it. So like there's this there's this like more personal design, like ownership element of building something together that does exist in the other games, but feels so much more fun when you're like creating this moving vehicle. Yeah, that's the thing is like that's that was the joy of Barotrauma. It feels like even faster and more snappy with a raft is like that tension of like keeping it afloat. There's a shark you're dealing with, but also you're like zipping around and you're going through this world and through this the space. And that does seem like really exciting and fun. Um, and I'm yeah. intrigued. I'm excited to get back to Austin. And I mean, 
I'm excited to be on vacation for another week, but then once it's over, I'm glad I have something to look forward to, which is building a raft with my friend Griffin on my PC hacked Macintosh and trying not to drown, baby. That would be really cool. Uh, yeah, it's a fun game to just start a, a new one with someone else, or it's also a game that like, you know, even if my ship is like a little built up, like I can invite you, get you started, and then you'd be like pretty much up to where I'm at because the progression is the raft, right? So it's like you wouldn't be like super behind. I would just like throw you some tools I made and then it's like, okay, now we're all building. Um, so there's a really easy way to hop in with people, pull more people in. Um, and, and yeah, it's definitely been, I think, also one of the more approachable survival games. It is hard at the beginning, um, but like once you get going and you get some momentum, um, I, I do think it's something that a larger group of people could get into. Um, which is really cool. Uh, there's like a lot of procedurally generated ident islands and stuff. Um, but then there actually is a narrative to the game um, and, and like a bunch of quests, because basically what happens is once you get your raft up to a certain part, you start building these radio, this radio and these antennas. And it starts to give you a signal which guides you to your first real location. Um, which starts a series of like quest lines that I haven't even really gotten to yet. Um, but that's super cool because, you know, there is this whole procedurally generated, just kind of the world is what you make of it element. But then there is this like story that you can like follow along with. Um, and, and so that's super cool too. Yeah. The, I'm glad there's a narrative element because that is like, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of like sort of adding your own narrative to the game as you're playing it, but it is always fun when there's like a little bit of propulsion there. It's like an easy way to like get your foot in the door. Um, yeah, which is nice. so yeah, which is actually I've missing it. from the game that I've been playing. Oh, um, which is Mario Strikers, which I like quite a lot, but it doesn't really have a hook. <laughs> the hook is, sure. hey, do you want to kick some balls around with Mario and his friends? And the answer is yes, for sure. Right. But I do love when there's just a little bit like I need. I don't need much. I just need like, uh oh, Bowser wants Bowser's having a big soccer tournament. You got to win for a reason. Like right. we're in. Um, and that came as zero percent of that. Yeah, they, they just didn't really try. It's also it's that angle that's. uh I just have never been into the soccer angle. Yeah, the big, the just big that, wide, like kind of diagonal from the side. Yeah, just big wide from the side. No thanks. I uh, like. I like. I like, I like it, a though. basketball, a football. Yeah, the I do prefer the from behind, like up and angle downward from behind angle for sports games. I do think that's a little bit better. But I do still really like Mario Strikers. It's really fun. It's really quick. It's fast paced. It's a little too easy in the way that Mario sports games tend to be. Um, but it's been a very good travel game. So I can pick, it's like super easy to pick it up, play for 45 minutes and like win one of their little mini tournaments. And then I bet it's great on, on the switch. I bet it's, I bet it's awesome. It's super fun on the switch. The one thing I haven't experimented with yet is it has like an online, like a big chunk of it is like online competitive play. Um, mm. And I could see it kind of playing around that rocket league space, especially cause like you can play with your friends and have like, you know, you each control a guy or whatever. And I think mm -hmm. that could be really fun as like an online game to to play with the buds. But there's not there's just not a ton of there there, like which is frustrating because yeah. like Mario Strikers is so fun. The first game was a fucking blast on the fucking GameCube. This game is really fun to play. And I just wish I had a little bit more 
depth to the single player mode because it's just so it's so fun to just like like while it's so fun like i'm waluigi and i'm scoring a million goals and i'm throwing roses around everywhere and donkey kong's knocking people over and luigi's mm-hmm. doing tricks and it's a fucking blast but then it's just sort of like that's all that you get and it doesn't get any more than that um yeah, which is tough. yeah yeah there should be some sort of like i mean our advice on this show for every sports game is make it an rpg um so they could have done that and we're right to say it and it's true and we're right to say it and we'll continue to say it um yeah uh i don't know um mario strikers three strikes and you're still in lux's game yeah i mean it's still fun but i've been i've been able to balance that lack of narrative with an extremely narrative game which is the demo for live alive or or live you guys are gonna have to it's 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 live a live and you guys are going to have to live and let live a little longer to hear about that game for this commercial break if you haven't heard about anchor by spotify it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place let me explain donate to abortion funds (laughs) oh okay keep going well Anchor is tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. I'm so scared. I thought you, each time I think you're going to do it and then you don't. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free. So download the Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And you can go to websites like INeedAnA.com or look at the NNAF to find abortion funds local to you and make donations for people who need them. You could make a podcast that's just all about places to donate. Yeah, you really could. But some of them include the Lilith Fund, the West Fund, NNAF. There's an Act Blue uh, abortion fund that's funding like 90 clinics across the country. There are many options, so go donate to them today. No, and listen, listen. I know you're you're probably you're cooking, you're screaming at your significant other, you're 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 dual monitoring RuneScape and Classic WoW. There's a lot going on. You're not going to remember any of these. That's why we're going to put all of these links in the episode description for your stupid little monkey brain to just click and get right to it. So use Anchor and donate to an abortion fund today. Goodbye. And I'm staying uh, because I like you guys. All right. Welcome back to the episode. We're going to talk about the Live a Live demo. And Griffin, it's so cool man i i i like i have been busy and dealing with a lot of stuff so like i i saw this kind of came out and i was like i need to remember this and thank you for remembering because i forgot yeah it is a blast there's three chapters so the game is there's seven chapters that are all different settings slightly different games slightly different narrative that all kind of complement and play with and riff off of each other in certain ways um and you get like the first section of three of the chapters. So you get the first section of the distant future of uh, late Edo period, Japan and of Imperial China. Um, and I've done China and most of the future and haven't started Japan yet, but it is there. I mean, it's not very much. There's not like, a, it's not super long. It's like an hour or two per section, but they're very fun. It's fucking gorgeous. It's a beautiful looking game. 
So for those who don't know, who need a little more preface, uh, Live a Live is a 1994 role-playing video game. It was developed and published by Square for the Super Famicom. Um, and now a remake, like from the ground up for the Nintendo Switch, is scheduled for release July 22nd. Yeah, which I'm oh looking forward to, baby. So did you play the original? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I played on an emulator, but a very long time ago, like 10, 12 years ago. Um, and it's fine. Why, why do people, why do people care? And why should I care? So it's a good, it's just a straight up good RPG. It's like a fun, simple fight RPG, turn-based mechanics. And it's got all these little stories. And I think what's really fun about it is that each section plays a little bit differently from the others. Um, and has different concerns and different stuff going on, but also kind of complementary ideas and narrative. Um, and it's like, oh, it's it's just so fun. And it's so pretty. And it lets you it does this thing like we've talked about this with RPGs is that even RPGs that I really like, I'll get kind of bored of. It's like we're in this one milieu. There's this one kind of tone. These are the kind of guys you're hanging out with. This is the thing you're doing. And you're doing different versions of that thing, different versions of the guys, but still sort of like within the same box. And so I splitting it up among these like seven settings you get these like really different tones and really different approaches to things. And it's a really nice way to sort of make the role playing. It's it's sort of like what Octopath Traveler wanted to do. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it sounds like Octopath, which like I did not like the structure of. Yeah. But with Octopath, the problem, at least for me, was that like they a weren't different enough and B sort of promised to interlink in a way that they never really did. Like they never really feed off of each other. And these, right. because they're different settings, are like obviously way more separate. And the concepts kind of interact, yeah. but they aren't like promising you that like the game doesn't like feel like when you're a robot in the distant future that you're like going to meet the Kung Fu master from Imperial China. Like that's not that doesn't feel like implied by the game. So and, right. I mean, I haven't finished the game. I didn't play. I didn't play the old one. Although he's like, maybe it does. But I'm pretty confident it doesn't. Um so I think it gets around a lot of the issues of Octopath because it doesn't feel like it has to do something that it's failing to do. It feels like it's just doing a separate thing. And so mm-hmm. instead, the jumping around isn't just like fractured. It's like, oh, you know what? I've been I've been in China for a while. I think I want to go to the future for a little bit. Like, oh, I'm done with the future. Let's go figure out what's going on in the Wild West. Like, mm-hmm. you, and I think oh, that's, you, can, you can switch back whenever you want. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You can move between them at your own pace and sort of however you want and just save your progress as you move. And I think that makes it a lot more compelling. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks solid. Uh, I wonder how much they're going to charge for it. Um, you think that's charge for full 60? I imagine so. I think it's a pretty big game. And I'm, I'm saying it like uh, these uh, these shits it like the work put in on the on the pixel art in this game is really fucking good. Um. Now that I got the OLED, the and that pixel art just pops. Oh, too. you got the OLED? That, oh yeah, baby. Oh, I read last time we talked about that. You just tried it. it. It convinced you to drop the cash, get the bag. Folks, we've acquired the OLED. Ooh, damn! Big, big moment. Yeah, it just it looks so good. It looks so good. Uh, it looks so damn good. Um. Yeah, like uh, I'm almost done with what's it called triangle strategy, and I'm just just loving that the way the pixel pops on those that screen. Um, speaking of another remaster that's coming this holiday season to the Switch, 
Uh, very confirmed rumors and probably an official announcement this month that this holiday season we will be getting a remaster of Metroid Prime. Oh, yeah, that's very exciting. So that's going to be coming this holiday season to the Nintendo Switch. And they already said that they are going to remaster Metroid Prime 2 and 3 as well. Wow. Um, so it does. It does feel like and I'm, I'm obviously I have a tendency to be a little bit optimistic about the direction of games, but like it does kind of feel like. Uh, let's put Microsoft aside for a second, but like it feels like PlayStation and Nintendo are starting to really figure out what their respective deals are. Like, yes, it feels like PlayStation 100%. is like starting to lean into its big budget stuff. They're coming soon They're They've had a couple earlier this year, Elden Ring, uh, fucking Forbidden West, etc. Feels like they're starting to figure out how to like bring that in and also like platform a lot of smaller indie games and stuff. And then Nintendo is like, we're going to do these originals, but we're going to bracket them a lot with just remasters of shit that was awesome at the time, but the tech wasn't there to like hundred percent do. And we're just going to do them right now. And we're just going to knock it out. And I think that that bodes yeah. really well for like what gaming looks like for the next, you know, year or two or whatever. Right. It's like, oh, well, if there's no big, unique games coming out by the end of this year, like if God of War 2 gets pushed, it's like, you know, well, we get these like awesome remasters of incredible games. Like, I think that we will have a busy, busy fall and winter, regardless of what the official slate looks like right now. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, that's really exciting. I remember playing Metroid Prime as a kid, but it being a little too complex for my kid brain. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, experience it now with a stupid adult brain. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that is super fun. Um, and on that note, I really got to go. Right. <laughs> we're cutting this one short. We're cutting this one short. We got, you guys, we're cutting it short. We got to go. But Rowdy, it's still an episode, so eat my ass. Uh, and I'll see you guys all next week. Goodbye. It is a still, it's still a full episode of ass eating. Goodbye.